Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the show covering the life cycle of all of the brands and the company of 4x400. We are an e-commerce holding company that acquires, operates, and grows D2C brands. We have five of them in our portfolio right now, though, as we will say on the show, and as you've heard me get out before, we're really focusing more on three of them at this point. Um, and uh, as we do, we are following up today on an episode I recorded a while back with Cody Wittick from Kinship, um, where we're going to talk more about influencer marketing and what went right working with Kinship, what went wrong, and uh, what we are doing moving forward uh, as we go on. So uh, that's the show. Stay tuned. If you listened before, uh, this will be a good follow-up. You can know exactly what happened as we worked with Cody and his team. Let's jump in. Pew, 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 pew. That's for sure staying in. I'm not even going to do an intro. That was Cody. I, I was going to like keep the conversation going and say like, Cody, introduce yourself. But because you did the, the, uh, the air horn, <laughs> the mouthed air horn noise, uh, I'm, I'm just telling right now here i'm saying it in this moment editing team for the e-commerce playbook podcast keep that in that is the that is the start of the show so uh cody how's it going what's up man good to be back yeah thanks for uh coming back and for doing this again um i just you know i'm gonna do i'm gonna hide my self view right now on zoom do you ever do that when you're on a zoom call do you ever hide your self view well, my buttons aren't showing up currently right now, so I have more problems than you, apparently. Okay, okay. It really helps, because otherwise, I don't know, I'm sure I'm not the only person. There's got to be some kind of a broader point about human experience here, but like, I end up looking at myself the whole time if I'm on screen um, without even realizing it. So yeah, there's there's for sure there's for sure some kind of broader life implication to that. Maybe just for me, maybe for all humans, but um, anyway. That that, yeah, yeah, this is not this is not the show for that, for that musing. Um, Cody, welcome back. So Cody, first, just uh, remind people who you are, what you do, and then I will give some more context on how we worked <laughs> together um, and what led to this episode. Yeah. Um, so co-CEO, along with my business partner, Taylor, with uh, for Kinship, um, Influencer Marketing Agency. So what we did on behalf of you and what we're doing on behalf of a lot of brands is what's called influencer seating. We'll get into exactly what that is. Um, Influencer seating, paid media, really focusing in those two lanes on behalf of brands. Um, previously to that, I was at a brand called Kalo alongside you for a short time. Um, and that's where I gained a lot of my experience working with influencers. And that's what led to our seating strategy ultimately. Yeah, cool. So yeah, Kinship, K-Y-N, K-Y-N, uh, Kinship. And uh, Kinship is linked in the show notes here so you can follow up with them and you should. Um, even though what I'm about to tell you is that it did not work very well for us when we um, used the kinship strategy. And what we said, uh, I, I should go back and find the episode title, but um, maybe next time you're talking, I will go scrolling through old episodes and go look at, look for it. But uh, basically, Cody, we talked I think before. it's called Why Influencer Marketing Will Save Our Brand or something like that. Okay. Yeah, that was ambitious. Uh, the um, That actually <laughs> is a nice intro, though, to what um, to what is going on here. Because... Um, what we talked about on that show was how before we started an influencer strategy for 31 bits, our jewelry brand, um, what we said was, you guys will do this and then we will promise to come back whether it works or doesn't work and tell you, uh, dear listener, whether or not it worked and be just really honest about it. And so, um, so we got you guys, I think we reached out to like a hundred influencers or I, I don't remember the total number um, with your guys's... 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I we, you know, we we had you guys reach out to some number around that range, if I if memory serves, or was it three hundred? Did we do three hundred with you? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, three hundred influencers to send them products. So quickly, Cody, um, run down, um, what that seeding program is. For people who didn't listen to that episode, um, yeah. or for people who just haven't seen what you guys do, um, because I I'll say like I when you guys first told me about this this um offering that you guys have um i freaked out i thought i just think it's brilliant and um it's so straightforward and so simple but it just seemed very clearly valuable to me so yeah so start there and then let's let's talk about what happened so what we did on behalf of you and what we're doing on behalf of many brands is basically from a high level um identification of influencers reaching out to the influencers crafting the unboxing helping with that um sending out the product through our Shopify app onto your store. So we're handling the order placements. We're aggregating all the posts and content um, through a software. And we're tracking that content, the organic performance of that content. But more importantly, we know who will post. We follow up for content rights. At that point, once we're granted rights, we're able to download the content, reformat it for ad placement purposes, um, caption it, deliver it back to you in this case, where we also run ad accounts. Uh, and then we're sending out an MPS survey. It's kind of like the last step to all the influencers do receive product. Yeah. So end to end, everything related to getting your product into an influencer's hands, and then from there, um, utilizing that content. And I, you guys are big believers in utilizing that content specifically for paid media. Um, Correct. And, and so, just can you talk about why? Uh, why that's the kinship strategy? Most clearly just seeing all the attribution on the Facebook and Instagram platforms. I think just seeing the power of that when I was at Kalo and then also my partner coming from Common Thread Collective, um, seeing just obviously the power of that uh, repurposability, um, just clear visibility when a lot of that is not in our industry. So we want to just remove that and just see, okay, how's this content performing um, within the Facebook ad account dashboard? Um, but we're also getting to see it, how it performs on organic side of things. Yeah. And can you give any high level overview of what the expectations are and should be for organic value versus paid value when you use the content? Yeah. I mean, from a high level, basically like, and we'll talk benchmarks with you guys, but um, we expect 20% opt-in out of these influencers and 30% post rate from these influencers. Um, since it is no strings attached and we're, you know, we're reaching out with, you know, basically like all palms down based on giving, not asking. Um, but from organic side of things, once you break it down from like an average post count of what we expect to the average follower count and how that breaks down into a click through rate to a 1% conversion rate, um, that's kind of the baseline things that we're expecting based on your AOV. Um, so that's, from an organic yeah. side of things. So so you're saying of the influencers you reach out to, you seed to 20% of them typically? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So for you guys, for example, at that time we were doing 300 influencers. Now we're doing 500 influencers. So even in a 500 breakdown, what we want to see is at least 100 influencers opting in. Um, that might sound what low do you, because... What, what do you mean opting in? Like to receive products? Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm just break that down because a lot of times gifting programs, they pride themselves on, you know, guaranteed posts or guaranteed impressions um, comparatively to the industry. What distinguishes us is we're basically reaching out, no strings attached. We just want to send you the product. This is a free gift to the influencer. Um, 
all the brand owners that I talk to, they really care about an influencer community around the brand. Um, so when that happens, when they say that, that means you have to start the relationship the right way. Um, and starting the relationship right, the right way means you got to give them the product. Um, and that's the best way to do it without any expectation. So that's what I mean by at a minimum, what we expect is 20% opt-in out of the 500 influencers that we reach out to. Um, we want to see at least 20% saying, yes, send me the product. I'd love to receive this free gift. Now from here, these hundred influencers, what we expect out of these hundred, we don't expect all of them to post and we're not requiring them to do anything. Again, we want to let the product speak for itself. Uh, but the people that organically love the product and enjoy it, we expect to see 30% of those people post on their own free will. Um, and that's where we can extract the content uh, organically. We can reach out to the content rights. Um, and that's when you guys get to repurpose this, all these assets. Um, so the breakdown from 500 to 100 is 30 individual influencers. And on average, we see two to three assets posted each. So on a month to month basis, brands are getting 60 to 90 unique assets from influencers. That's so helpful. So that's, I mean, that's really, really cheap to generate the content. What do you guys charge right now for 500 posts or for 500 filters? That package is 7,500. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's, that is, yeah, that's very cheap for uh, that much content, especially when you consider that the content's just the beginning at that point, the relationships and it's being posted and all of that kind of stuff. So you, you could pay that much for content in other places, but it probably wouldn't be as good and it wouldn't be posted on people's organic social feeds. Um, and it wouldn't really result in other kinds of relationships. Like, so, um, that makes sense to me. So let's talk about 31 bits. So that, that's the overview of what you guys do. Um, so for 31 bits, um, we were struggling in a lot of different ways. And the thought was, why don't we work with you to get our product into more people's hands get better quality, more organic, authentic content that we can then use to run on ads. And I think we ended up getting a pretty decent response rate and we collected a pretty good amount of content. Uh, I don't know if you have the number on hand. Yeah, Cody, I you... do. Okay. Yeah. So how much content did we get? So you got 219 pieces of media. So that's 44 posts, 175 stories. Um, you had six, you had 134 influencers opt in out of the 300. So that's, that's basically almost 50%. Um, that speaks to your brand. And then 66 of those 134 posted. Um, so again, yeah. extremely high uh, that posted. So that is awesome. And that's right on average for the three assets per influencer that they're posting. It's like yeah. 3.3. Yeah. The, th the crazy thing is in the midst of that, our brand still struggled. And, um, and so the reason why this, I think, didn't become something that was like, we didn't see a major impact on our revenue in this, I, I think is fairly clear, which is like, and I think it's like a fundamental problem with 31 bits and it vexed us the whole time to the point where now we've kind of set it aside and said for at least a little while, we have some ideas for how we could sort of resuscitate it at some point. But for now we've kind of set it aside. And the reason why is that the experience that you just described was like so core to what was happening for 31 bits, which was anybody who got the jewelry in their hands liked it. Um, and it makes sense actually that from an influencer perspective as a thing to get for free, like who doesn't want a free piece of jewelry with no obligation? Um, especially <laughs> if there's like an ethical sourcing story, like it makes for good content to put in front of your, um, your uh, audience. Why? Because like you can tell people that you support ethical brands and that just kind of looks good for you, you know, whether right. even if it's not totally altruistic, like even if you just want to look a certain way or whatever. So 
Um, and I don't know, maybe some people really did just want to support ethical manufacturing and it was altruistic, but, um, in any case, um, we found this constantly to be the case for 31 bits and we just banged our heads against the wall at this problem, which was no matter what we did, people, um, people liked the jewelry a lot when they got it, but our conversion rate on site relative to our AOV was just low. And anybody who's listened to the show for a while has heard me you know, talk about this problem, you know, results in RPC. And so in those organic posts, we saw very little in terms of like real revenue generation from that. And I think that's just like, ultimately the reason why I think this did not work very well. And, and we did, I think we ran a little bit of this in our ad account, if any, um, but we just continued to find, and, and that, was, that was a big mistake by us. I think we didn't capitalize enough on turning that into actual ad content, but um, what we've continued to find is that there just, there just wasn't a resonance beyond somebody actually experiencing the jewelry themselves. And, you know, in case of giving it, and you can't give it to everybody for free all the time. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. so, um, so there wasn't enough to do that. And I think that's because like the brand story is sort of interesting, but just could never really get across the finish line. So, um, so yeah, so I, I like I think you guys held up your own end of the bargain on this. Like you guys got it in a lot of people's hands who liked it and posted about it. And we did not like even if we had paid like a regular price and not done this as kind of a bro deal related to all this, which I talked about in the last episode. Um yeah. to sort of test this in public, basically. I would have been really happy with that. Like I, I wouldn't have had you guys to blame. What I think ultimately the breakdown here comes down to is that we um failed to be able to create enough of a brand um, that was going to make it so that there was like real interest in it, even when people were posting who themselves were interesting. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, a lot of what we're setting up for people is like a pool of people to do with what they want. Uh, so you, you, now you have 66 at least people that you can have a good idea of like, these people are generally interested in the brand. Um, but that's where, quite honestly, if I'm being fully transparent, that's where it kind of gets left hanging too, um, is, you know, people don't do anything with this pool of people that like generally posted without any requirement to do so. And then also at the same time too, they're sitting on 219 pieces of media and they're like, thanks. And then they don't get it live in that account. And we're held responsible for the lack of performance. Um, and it's, it's something that we're trying to figure out even as an agency. It's just like, how do we, yeah. how, how can we take this content and run it ourselves to just really prove yeah. it out? Um, just because as you know, like most agencies aren't used to getting this amount of creative launched um, in a month or two months um, or even a six month timeline. Well, yeah. And, and this is where, like I'd say, I would not be holding you accountable for that. Like, I think you guys totally did your part. And I mean, the other, the other challenge we're dealing with here is that like just brand lifecycle wise, we just didn't have much budget to test with and to, to try new assets with. And in the midst of some other yeah. efforts we were doing, like we just couldn't spend a lot of money sorting through of those 219 pieces of media or whatever, which ones were really going to be the winners relative to other stuff we were playing with. Although I would say looking back, like one thing I think we have did poorly with that brand and genuine canine is we tested lots of little things along the way, but um, weren't testing big enough changes relative to our performance gaps. So like we were not performing well enough and we weren't really that close and we should have made bigger changes along the way for 31 bits. We actually did. We did, we made 
some larger changes. And I would even say that's part of the reason that some of this stuff got held up between you guys delivering us the content and us running it. Because um, instead of just trying new creative with stuff that we sent out, we were um, fully rebuilding offers and fully trying new products and Mother's Day and like all this kind of stuff. So, um, so, uh, so yeah. So what I will say is that if we did the same thing with you again, and we did it with Bamboo Earth, you know, or with um, Slick or something where there's like thousands of dollars being spent every day on advertising, it would be really easy to take a little sliver of that budget and start running through a bunch of test ads to see what was working. And I think it would, would make a lot more sense to use that to scale um, our assets and our, and our, and our output. So no question. Like, I, I think like the problem here was not on your side. It was, it was on our side. And um, and I think at least for me, one of the takeaways here is that actually almost nothing is really magic to save your brand. Um, if there's more fundamental problems, this is probably not going right. to, to like fix it. Um, quote unquote, you know, and quite honestly, a lot of times come, people come to influencer marketing and try in this channel as that magic one trick pony. Um, when really no marketing channel is going to be able to do that for you. Um, but I totally understand what you're saying. It's like, you're, you're dealing with mother's day and testing different products and all these different things. And it's hard. Um, we're such a siloed piece of the, the flywheel of trying to get these brands to be profitable, to be really, you know, the hit their goals that they really want to hit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because on the one hand, we're saying this failed. On the other hand, I'm just going to tell you, like, we are actually investing more deeply in this because I was impressed actually with the results that we've got. I've, I've watched you guys have done with other clients. And so like, um, because I want a little more flexibility across our brand portfolio for where the investment's going to go next. Um, I, and because I happen to have an excellent, excellent team member who I think will like be perfectly suited to handle some of this. Um, uh, and, uh, th- so what we are doing now is thinking about looking at some other ways to begin to play with this, with an internal resource, um, really specifically. Um, and, and, st- but basically thanks to you guys and your Twitter feeds and all that stuff, like or your Twitter <laughs> content, like going like, okay, this is the kind of recipe. Um, and though I don't think we will do it at the scale that you are doing it. Um, sure. I don't think that for one second, um, uh, yeah. we're, we're actually, at, yeah, we, there's no way we can, that's, that's totally right. We, we are, um, actually putting more resources against this. And what I could actually even imagine us doing at some point is having somebody who man, especially if we get back to like five or more brands or whatever, at some point, actually kind of go the other way here where, where somebody manages you guys as like a resource mm-hmm. with which to really work and, and make this happen. So I, we'll see kind of what this looks like in the long term, but, um, I am full enough of a believer in this strategy between sort of long tail value from organic, um, just kind of people seeing a brand everywhere all over the place and, um, and, uh, and then immediate value with sort of like the content, um, that is inbound and saying like, we actually want to go ahead and put some internal resources against a pretty similar strategy to what you guys are doing for brands. Um, because I'm a believer, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, what we're able to do over the course of three months takes an internal employee a year and a half, two years. Reaching out to 1,500 influencers over three months, like that's just the scale that we can do as an agency. And you're getting a 20-person yeah. team versus you know hiring one employee that's part-time. And But the principle yeah. still remains. And that's why I'm stoked that you guys are putting resources against it. Um, because whether it's 21, you know, even what I say to like people that with 
super high cog products, just pick it. You got to be really specific on who that one influencer is. Right. But the principle still remains like, this is how you build the relationship. And ultimately, this is how you can start seeing what influencers are rallying around your brand in really cool ways uh, through yeah. your Facebook dashboard, uh, organically, just the people that are rallying around it. And, and, you know, even in terms of the amount of cash we want to output relative to the amount of product and all that kind of stuff, I would say, we'll look at it and say, we're going to pick and choose a little bit more across our brands as opposed to the sort of big blast method. But I'm telling you what, if I was, if I was still at, um, some of the brands I worked with on the CTC side, if I was at Kalo or something like that, I would absolutely be, um, be saying like, how much product can I send out? How quickly? Um, and that would be, that would be my strategy. So there's just like a life cycle thing here. Do you guys do smaller, um, smaller packages than 500 at this point? Or are you guys, is that kind of your sweet spot? Yeah, that's been the sweet spot as of late. We're doing minimums of 500 or more. Yeah, good um, for you. That's great. I think but, that's, I think that's the right mechanism for what you guys do from the brand side. It's probably the right kind of client for you and probably the right spend for that kind of client is to, to think about it in a little bit of a bigger, broader way. Um, I mean, as there's, like I said, like there's no question for me that um, if and when this became like, if, if there's more sort of scale at play here, and I really wanted to blast this, that I would approach this pretty differently than trying to be a little more targeted with it like we're doing now. Totally. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. So um, that's the follow-up. It's a miss for us on 31 bits. It's not Kinship's fault. And we still believe in the strategy enough to be, I mean it, I mean it. And, um, and I still believe in the strategy enough to be, um, to be putting more resources against it. And actually, I think there's an interesting thing here too, where if, and when we are able to kind of come back around on some of the stuff that we're playing with as like a potential resuscitation of 31 bits, um, uh, you know, we, we still own all that content. I have a question for you. This is kind of putting, yeah, you go ahead. Spot. but no, it's fine. What would you say? How could we, if we're not going to be running the paid media account, or the Facebook ad account, how do we convince brands to be pumping Facebook with all this creative on a week to week or a month to month basis? Like basically, okay, Hey, you're sitting on all this content, use it. You're leaving money on the table. Like outside of just saying that, <laughs> is there a way that for you who managed and operates brands like that you would receive it and be like, okay, I'll, I'll get it implemented. What if you could, um, what if you could actually edit it down to the ads themselves and deliver ads? Don't just deliver raw content. Like that would be interesting to work with, like to work with, I mean, I'm thinking here of like some really good quality overseas um, video editing types where you deliver the content and say to them, Hey, we want 25 ads because especially because like, I think a lot of people probably don't need you to actually manage the paid media. We certainly don't like, right. but there's another point of friction there where everybody is super busy and it's like, ah, oh, if I have to go comb through all this now, and it's almost overwhelming with that much content. Like, where do I start? What do I think is a winner here? And if you just said like, hey, Steph's coming in. We, we, we've got 10 ads for you right here in terms of the video um, ready to go. You could even provide people like some really simple copy. Um, you know, you're probably not going to write super detailed in-depth stuff, but I'm sure you could could get some basic yeah, no, ads if you want to do that. Because then I can just like, oh my gosh, great. I can put new ads in the account today. Like that would just be like the last piece of friction reduced. Um, and, and you could even sort of, I actually don't know if you'd want to charge extra for that. I think, well, and I think what I would do is bake, I would bake it into the price. So I would up your price, bake it into the price and say the thing that we deliver you is, is twofold organic content 
and actual ads themselves. And then you could even put a cost per ad at the end of the day on that for people. So they could just go like, Hey, if I've got 200 pieces of you know, media or whatever, and I, and I end up with 50 ads, uh, let's see, let's see. If I send to 500 people, how many pieces of media do you think I'm going to get a hundred? No. 60 to 90. So 60 to 90. 75. Okay. So now that's, that's a hundred bucks per ad and it's, well, now you have to charge more. Yeah. I don't know. I think if you're only getting that many posts, it might not. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't know. this is kind of getting into like how we break it down when yeah. doing running like the 10 different DCTs. And that's why we're doing, we're putting 10 pieces of creative in each DCT. So, say that again. So unpack that for people. What do you mean? What's a DCT? I think most, some people know, some people don't. How do yeah. you do it? So just a dynamic creative test. You're um, saying when you run the paid media for people. Correct. Yeah. So then. Dynamic creative test actually just put out a thread a couple of, well, by the time this, I don't know how, when this will get live, but, um, yeah, in a couple of weeks, but we can link the thread in the show notes. So just send it to me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just so you can test up to five different pieces of ad copy at the same time. Um, but really it's just about getting all the ads live, uh, within the ad account. So what we're doing is just basically, um, getting 10 pieces of creative within one DCT and running all of that content. Um, so we're not, we're the biggest philosophical difference is like, we're just removing the bias out of like, Oh, this is a boomerang. This isn't going to perform well, or this is an image or this person had a terrible backdrop. So we're not going to run this. This isn't ad ready. We're basically just saying like, Hey, let Facebook determine that um, and remove your bias out of it. So that's sort of, yeah, yeah. Philosophy yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I, and I mean, I might, my guess is that the actual um, winning creative here would be some combination that you'd get. Um, you'd run so, a lot of stuff really raw, and we we do that with other influencer content we've gotten. All of it run is it at, all of it is raw. It has the yeah. tag handle and everything. Right, and it's and it works, huh? Yeah, right. I mean, we've seen yeah. people. We've seen. Because the way that DCT works is just Facebook's, we, I mean, we set it against your your cost cap at your CPA. So it's only going to spend for what it's going to see that it's going to win at. Um, so majority of the time, only three pieces of creative actually gets all the spend. And sometimes it is like that influencer just sifting through an unboxing and she doesn't even show her face. Um, but Facebook determining and saying like, this is going to be a... Um, and the process just continues. I might have lost you for a second there. Um, can you repeat that last line? Yeah, so basically here. So most of the time we see three out of 10 ads will get all the spend. So it's basically saying Facebook's, we believe in all of these ads. Um, so we take all 30, so there's 10 DCTs, take the three best performing out of all of them and get it into your create new three best new performing prospecting DCTs. Yeah, I got it. Okay. I mean, so yeah, I, I totally see that. I think, um, and, and just to be clear, Facebook's not guessing what's going to return, right? It's, it's responding to engagement sig signals on the platform building algorithmic. <laughs> Great point. Uh, yeah. So, so it's, it's not even saying it's just responding to what users are saying. And I do think there's a really important point there, which is that like, and I'm, we make this joke all the time. Like anytime I absolutely love an ad that we're going to run, um, it is, it performs terribly. And it's the opposite is true. If I hate something, it's like a best performing thing. So 
there is a real bias component here that is good to reduce. I wonder if maybe, what if you guys did both? What if you said, hey, we'll give you the raw files, we'll put the raws into these ads, and then also we'll cut up some Mashable style. We'll cut up some like, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, you know, just kind of like a mix of stuff that you that you played with. Um, and you said, here's some additional stuff. But but I mean, a lot of brands might also not need that. They might they might rather have the content and do it themselves. But um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Thanks for answering that for me. Yeah, sorry. I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing it right. Uh, but the so you guys when you guys are running that paid media, you're just open. You're just getting access to somebody else's account that already exists and building the ads for them. Correct. I mean, we're just running their full ad account in addition to all the influencer content. Oh, but got it. All the influencer content is, I mean, ninety percent of the creative at that point. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Talk to me a little bit more about who. If anyone, is there any kind of client that you guys are seeing this work best for? Or like a range AOV? Is there anything, is there any, anything that ties together the, your guys' best success stories? I would say- Maybe another that, way to ask I mean, this. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say like the typical, like let's say fitness brands, apparel brands, things that are more postable than others. Um, that is more like quote unquote cool, uh, I guess you could say, um, that's what leads to a lot more different posts. Like, um, I think of like brands that are like, honestly, 31 bits. That's why you saw, you know, almost 50% post rate just because it was like jewelry. It's very wearable. Um, but yeah, those are sort of the different categories. Yeah. That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I had thought is like, yeah, products that are sort of inherently visual in that respect make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, consumables you know, like, are crushing yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Consumables are doing really well. Um, and as far as like the AOV thing, I think obviously the, the better margins that you have, the cheaper cogs it is to send out a ton of product. So a clothing brand, a, a sock brand, a hat brand, like just stuff like that. You know, when you start getting into like, oh, my cogs on this are a hundred bucks in addition to what you're paying us, it's, it that's can expensive. be a little tough. Yeah. It's, and I totally understand it. And that's where I try to just say, Hey, even if you don't use us, like the principle still remains, like do this on your own. Um, just don't do it at scale. Um, but create a budget to do it. Yeah. I, you know what this conversation is making me do is wondering like, do I just need to go back, find some of that content and just like, because we have a, like a little tiny bit of ad spend still going for bits and just go like, just try it. Just see what happens and, and see if there's some stuff in there. Just do our best to pick five pieces that we think have a shot and just go give it a shot. Maybe, maybe we've been sitting on the winner the entire time and we just blew it, you know? Well, it sounds like you should probably pick the five most that you hate. and That those. is 100% true. <laughs> yeah, that is 100% true. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, uh, Cody, thanks for coming back and doing this. Uh, sorry to let you down on our lack of use of your content. I'm going to say you guys, I mean, I, I'm no kidding. Like the response rate was crazy and we we were all kind of amazed at it. And um, and so, yeah, so I think, uh, I think there's something to be said here about sort of just like on our side, working with you in this, being better prepped to actually utilize the content that you got into our hands. Um, and uh yeah, I think I think the miss here uh, is us. And thanks for coming on and talking about it, even though we are the ones who missed. I think there's something really interesting here. Do you, do you want, just for the sake of uh, setting you up the right way, 
Do you have any success stories you would like to tell uh, since we can't <laughs> tell one uh, authentically about 4500s brands? Um, no, I mean, honestly, we're having success stories all the time. Quite honestly, that sounds super cocky. Um, but uh, yeah, like no, that's the, great. The, you're an agency. You're supposed to. You're supposed to be experts <laughs> and supposed to create success. <laughs> that's true. Um, so like I mentioned, there's consumable brands. There's a brand right now called Metabolic Meals. That's meal delivery. That's we're seeing super high, super high post rates. They're sitting on almost 500 pieces of creative after two months. Um, so with that kind of scale, and especially when we've talked about post iOS 14, uh, creative is even more important to, <laughs> that's somewhat surprising, but um, not at the same time. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know, I have their ad account numbers in front of me, but, um, and then there's like the monkey feet of the world that we've, I think we talked about it last time. Um, just a yeah, unique product, one skew. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen some of your guys' featuring of that content. That's uh, fitness, uh, fitness content or fitness uh, equipment, right? Yeah, it attaches a dumbbell to your foot, um, so you can yeah. do it, a lot of different unique things with a um, unique product. When we when it launched, it was around you know you know at home workout garage gym equipment at its peak. So obviously some contributing factors to its success, but all they did was seed influencers and then repurpose that content in that account. And it, it went from zero to 1 million in four months. Um, oh, wow. Good for them. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, where can people find you? On Twitter. That's, that's a perfect place. Um, do you want to have somebody, do you want to give an email address in case somebody like you're terrible at this? Do you want like, where can somebody buy kinship services? <laughs> Honestly, she's getting on a call with me. Um, that'd be the best thing. How so, do they do that, Cody? <laughs> kinship.co. I, I mean, do you want me to type out my Calendly link on this call? <laughs> yeah, I want you to give somebody a hard CTA right now. Contact Cody Wittick at. Go DM me on Twitter at Cody Wittick at C-O-D-Y underscore right. Wittick, W-I-T-T-I-C-K. And if you DM me, I will respond and we'll get a call set up. That's a clear right. CTA right there. No swipe yeah. up link, but it was clear. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. That's it. Uh, thanks for listening again. We, we did really want to come back and, and hit this again because we told you we would. Um, you know, it's interesting with the whole 31 bit story. Just there was this challenge all along the way. Maybe I should have said this during the body of the episode, but of just like, should we try another thing? Should we try another thing? And by the time we really got working with 31 bits, we were just less and less apt to try. Or excuse me, by, by the time we got working with Kinship, we, we were just sort of less, and uh, by the time it, it actually rolled out and we got content in our hands, we are being less and less exploratory with our budget because we just couldn't afford to keep putting money into it anymore. So, um, so uh, again, I, I do really want to say in all 100% honesty, I, I think that what Kinship has did there was awesome and i don't know of anybody else who's doing quite what they are doing the way they are doing it i think if you are serious about building uh, influencer relationships that work um it's gonna have to be authentic and it's gonna have to um, be real and so um I think that's the beauty of Kinship's approach to sort of start palms down. It's the image of instead of palms up, where you give something with your palm up, asking for something in return, you start palms down. Where you're saying, we're not, we're just giving this to you. We're not asking for anything back. And that creates um, the right step in a relationship. So um, 
Yeah, so we will for sure, we use that same image. We've picked up a lot of content and approach from these guys and uh, we'll for sure be using more of their approach. Um, and there's a really good chance that uh, if and when our brands get to a point where it's possible, we will be reaching back out to them again. Because um, I'm, I'm well aware that what Cody said is true, which is that um, we are the ones who drop the ball on this, not them and chalk it up to um, a lot of other um, ways in which 31 bits didn't work the way we'd hoped. So it goes. Uh, all of us have experienced that probably at some point that some things simply don't work the way you want. So, uh, all right, that's it for the week. Uh, as always, reach out on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. Um, like Cody said, you can reach out to him there. Um, I'm going to put his information, even though he was bad at promoting himself, I'm going to put his information. <laughs> you can still hear him laughing on this call. I should mute you, Cody. Um, the, uh, the, um, but I'll put his information there. You can go to kinship.co. Um, I really would recommend just just jump on a call, talk with them. I make no money from saying that. Oh, I guess in a very distant way, I am a I have a tiny the tiniest small investment slice in kinship. But I promise you, I don't make much money <laughs> from saying that. So um, so uh, it's a long way out if I ever make any. So there you go. Full disclosure. All right, that is it for the week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.